Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. This is a beautifully amazing day. And uh, we uh, just come off of an awesome series, and we're about to head into another great one, a great time um, for the church. And, um, you know, as I was planning the series, it, it was all about Jesus, and I couldn't, uh, really the power of Jesus, and I, I couldn't come up, you know, I was trying to be clever, man. I was, you know, I was trying to come up with a good catchy name and for the series, and I just couldn't do it, and I just felt like the Lord just put on my heart and just say, man, call it the greatest name that has ever been in existence. Just call it Jesus, man, and I've just been overwhelmed. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a compassionate part of Christ, man, and it's beautiful, and we all need it, and there's grace, and it's beautiful, and there's mercy, and it's beautiful, and there's love, and it's beautiful, and there's sweetness, and there's kindness, and there's gentleness, and it's beautiful, but at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is the most powerful being in the existence of the world of the universe in history. And I think in our modern culture with all of our technology and all of our science and all of our political correctness bullcrap, man, we have lost that sense that we are not uh, serving some dead God that's hanging out in a tomb somewhere, that we are serving Jesus Christ. And what makes him so powerful is that he did die but that he was resurrected by the power of Jesus Christ. And, and I know that that doesn't make sense to some people, and that's the whole point of the gospel is it doesn't make sense sometimes. But in Revelations, Jesus said this one beautifully powerful, amazing thing, and I want to start this entire day and series off with this one statement that Jesus made in Revelations. He said, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. And listen, then there's some of you, and you're reading that, and you're like, well, that sounds kind of cool, man. That sounds all right. I get that. You know what I mean? I, I've been around the church for a while. I understand that. Listen, you don't get that. You don't understand what that means. I don't fully get that. I don't think there's a human being on the planet that understands the fullness of that statement right there, that I am the first. I am the last. I died but I am now alive forevermore. Not only that, I have conquered, defeated, destroyed death, the grave, and hell itself. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am God Almighty. I'm not Baptist. I'm not Presbyterian. I'm not Methodist. I'm not Catholic. I am Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. Oh, man. And it's amazing. It's amazing, dude. We don't have to water it down. You know, Paul said in Rome as he started the whole thing off, he says, listen, I know the gospel sounds insane to people who don't know it. I know that it sounds crazy. But listen, I'm not ashamed of it because I have already seen it. The gospel itself, just simply by hearing it, alter the life of people, man. And there's so many people in this room right now, you have experienced this life-shattering, altering gospel, this greatness, this thing that you really can't put into words. And a little bit later, we're going to get to baptize 10 amazing Beautiful people who have found life in Jesus Christ, man. And that's what we do. It's a great thing. You can clap for that. All right. A lot of people here today. It's awesome. It's awesome. A lot of people don't know this, uh, especially a lot of the newer people. They, don't, they, they, we, they think Harvest Cove is a really, really young church, and it is a really, really young church. But the first service that Harvest Cove ever had was way long before I showed up and most of you guys showed up. Uh, Harvest Cove... Um, actually turns 10 years old almost to the day today. This is the... And, and as I was going through this over this past week, and, and I'm only supposed to preach 15 minutes, so that's not happening, but um, <laughs> the, uh, and, and it, the uh, you know, I was going through and I was thinking about just our time here in the last two or three years, and I've talked to, to Pastor Ryan a lot, who is uh, the one that planted Harvest Cove, and, and as I started going back and I started thinking about 
all this stuff, you know, 10 years ago, this man named Ryan Weaver and his family and a few other families got together in the bottom of a dentist's office because they believed that God was going to do something amazing. God was going to do something crazy awesome. And so they go into this dentist's office. And here's the deal, man. Like, uh, we've grown a lot in the last few years. But I'm going to tell you something. Dude, that man and that family and those group of families did something that 94% of all church plants don't do, and they made it. They made it. When I got here, all the hard work was done. Like, I got here, and I got to pick up where, where Ryan left off and, 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 and go and, and see this just awesome. I really got to inherit uh, and, and see the, the fruit of something that he and so many people sowed before I got here. It's just a beautiful, amazing thing. And I think that there's no better way to celebrate 10 years um, of ministry by baptizing that many people. I think that was just a cool thing that God did. You know what I mean? I think that's just a, that's an awesome thing. And so listen, this, this scripture right here is going to be the foundational scripture for the next few weeks leading up to Easter and past Easter. And um, I'm, it's going to be awesome. If you don't get it, you'll get it. All right? If you think, well, that's kind of cool, you'll get it. I promise you. We're going to go through it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. But as an intro into this series and into our time together today, I want to read to you um, just a short, a short little parable in Matthew. And we'll get started. FYI, I wasn't supposed to preach today. So you guys are getting a bonus sermon. <laughs> Matthew 13. I'm just going to kind of read through. This is the parable of loss. It's not going to be up there because it's so long. It just says, listen, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. This is what he said. He said, insane. A sower went out and sowed, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then Jesus walked away. What if I just left right there in that moment? Told you that, and then I turned around and walked away. What if that was my teaching strategy? Dead serious. If I walked up here, said, hey, good morning, guys, threw some seeds on the ground, and I was like, listen, some of those seeds will grow. Those probably won't. Those might, but those are going to grow good. All right, I'll see you guys at lunch. <laughs> but that was Jesus' strategy, man. You know, and the disciples, finally, one day, they were just like, Jesus, uh, listen, man, your strategy's kind of stupid. just want to throw that out there. Um, you know, we've been fishermen our whole lives, so we really get this teaching thing. And uh, we just want to let you know, nobody really understands uh, what the heck you're talking about. Kind of going a little bit crazy. Do you mind explaining to us the whole seed deal? And, so, and then Jesus comes back and he says, well, listen, I want you to understand something. And he says, to you, it's been given, no, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, they do not understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. See, a lot of times what I hear, now this is, I'm just going to, I'm going to be a little bit crazy today if I teach this real fast. I'm not going to make any assumptions for Jesus. I'm not going to go in here and do what Peter did and try to tell Jesus what he meant. All right, we're just doing something crazy. You guys ready? We're going to read the Bible and then talk about exactly what it says. 
and we're not going to take any type of deep-seated assumption or theology to try to make it anything. It says right here, he says, you will indeed hear, you will indeed hear, talking to the disciples, but they will never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this is the people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Blessed, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. Jesus tells this parable, and he says, listen, there's going to be a lot of different type of people. And he says, but there's going to be a lot of people. They're going to be the ones that close their eyes to the gospel. They're going to be the ones that close their ears to the gospel. They're going to be the one that close their heart to the gospel. And one thing that you have to understand is that every single person you have ever met, and every single person, including you, in this room, you are one of these four types of people. You are one of these four types of people. And as Jesus goes along, he's throwing out seeds. He throw, he's throwing out invitations to the gospel. He's throwing out all these, these stories, and he's trying to peek. To, and if you notice something, if you go through the New Testament and read it slowly, you will see that Jesus spoke in these parables. But every single time, every single time somebody came to him in secret or somebody came to him after and said, I don't understand, but I want to. Nicodemus came to him in the night. I don't quite get it, but I want to. Peter said, you just said a bunch of junk. I don't understand it. Will you explain it to me in simple, stupid terms, Jesus? The woman in the well. Everybody who came to Jesus, everybody that Jesus found, everybody that said, I want to know more, Jesus talked to them so plainly and so simple. And he goes on and he explains the four. He goes on and he explains the four people. But what I want you to understand is that I just want to do a little quick test real fast. If you were here this morning, I know we're having a baptism, so there's some people here. If you were here today, because at some point in life, somebody invited you or told you about what God was doing at Harvest Cove, raise your hand if you're here today. Somebody invited you. It means you didn't accidentally walk in here. Somebody told you, I go to Harvest Cove, or you should go check out Harvest Cove. A lot of psychics in here just kind of stumbled upon the place, huh? <laughs> But I would say roughly 50%, maybe a little more, 50, 60%. 50, 60% of people in this room are here because somebody invited them. The other ones use Google. All right? That's why we have a website. But one of the points I want to make to you before we kind of get into this is that as we go through this series, I believe this is going to be one of the most powerful series that we've ever done at Harvest Cove. I believe that God is going to move in ways that he's never moved before. And I believe that we should band together pray for the series as a family and invite people to this series. And if you notice something out in the parking lot, anybody notice something weird out in the parking lot? It's full. Okay. We've been growing. Everybody knows we've been growing. All right. And so our first little plan was, you know what we'll do? We'll knock this wall out. We'll move the stage over there. We'll make enough room for 500 people. Everybody's like, yeah, man, that's what we should do. And then one day I was like, even if we had 500 people in here, there's only like 250 to 275 parking spots. All right, so I called the school. All right, listen, can we use your parking? They said, yeah, you can use your parking if you build an obscene little walkway that costs way too much money. Uh, and, and I'm like, so like one of the slowest roads in the universe, especially on Sunday morning, we're going to have to build walkways with electrical lights and all this other stuff. And they were like, yeah, that's code. I said, okay, you guys are horrible people. So we didn't, I'm just kidding. They're not. They're great. So then we thought, you know what, well, maybe we can get some cops involved. Maybe they can get up there and they can do that. That didn't work either. So then we were like, all right, guys. This whole thing's not going to work. We're not going to be able to knock the wall out. We're just going to have to do with what we've got because of parking reasons. So we said, listen, we've got to go to two services. All right, that's what we have to do. And so we've been praying about this uh, for a long, long, long time. Uh, I've been 
praying and talking about it for well over a year. And this Easter, we are launching our first, second service at Harvest Cove. And you can clap for that. And for all you people who hate getting up on Sunday mornings, and in the summertime you like want to go hang out at the lake and you don't want to the annoyance of church, we're going to launch our second service on Saturday night at 5 o'clock. That's going to be awesome. And we're doing it. Listen. Everything we do, man, our, our, if, if, if you've never been here before, you're probably never coming back after today, but if you've never been here before, um, our, our vision statement is create, we're committed to creating atmospheres where all people can find life in Jesus Christ. And that's what we do. That's all we want to do is create atmospheres. Um, that's why we buy chairs, why we build walls. That's why we do this, why we fix the leaking roof leaks every day. That's Christina. It's flooded the kids all the time. So we do everything we do for that purpose. And that's what Saturday night is. We want to create another atmosphere for people to find life in Jesus Christ. And we told the core volunteers at the recalibrate training day. And at first I was like, you know what, you know, well, hopefully we'll get 10 or 15% of them. You know, they'll be excited about it and then we'll be able to do it. Honestly, dude, out of like 70 people, like 65 of them were like, yeah, dude, we're doing the Saturday night thing. And I was like, all right, now we're not gonna have anybody on Sunday morning. But um, it's going to be an awesome thing. So as we go through this series, we're going to be leading up to that, and we're going to launch that. And here's the deal. I don't think this is going to change the world. I, I, don't, I, don't think this, I don't think this Saturday night service is going to, I don't think it's going to end all, be all. And we don't even, honestly, God, we don't even know if it's going to work. I think it is. I really do. I believe it's going to work, uh, but we don't know if it's going to work. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it. And if it works, we'll keep doing it. And if it doesn't work, we'll stop doing it. We don't have any pride. We want to use what works and change what doesn't. I mean, that's what we want to do. But I do believe that this thing will work, and I think that it's going to open up the door for a lot of other people to experience Harvest Cove, a lot of different types of people, and I'm so excited about it. I think it's going to be an awesome thing. And so over the the course of the next few weeks, I'm encouraging you guys, invite people, man. And some of you, I know this is crazy, but on Easter, maybe just come to both services, truly. I mean, maybe just show up, invite people to Saturday, invite more people to the Sunday and show up. I know that's like insane. You come to church twice in one weekend, uh, but... Maybe just do it. I mean, maybe get out of the box a little bit and, uh, and see what happens. And so I think it's going to be an awesome thing. But kind of coming back now. Are you guys excited about that? Dude, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about that. I'm pumped about that. Listen, for all of your first-time guests, please just come back next week, okay? This is a unique, uh, unique service, all right? And uh, it, it's, I think it's going to be awesome. No matter what happens, this is going to be incredible. I'm super excited about it. And uh, I'm going to preach my 15-minute sermon now. You guys ready? <laughs> All right, so this is what Jesus said. He says, listen, he goes, there's, there's, these different, there's these different people, and everybody that you know is in different places in life, all right? And everybody that you know is in need of the gospel, all right? That's just an absolute fact. And one of the things that I want you to talk about, I, kind of talk, I want you to understand the greatest initial investment you can make in somebody's life is an invitation, an invitation to coffee, an invitation to listen to a message, an invitation to listen to a song, an invitation to come over to your house, an invitation to your life group, an invitation to church, an invitation to Sunday, Saturday, night service, an invitation. Every single investment, every single uh, 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 invitation that you make is an investment in somebody's life, and you have no idea. In a little bit, we're going to watch a baptism video, and you would be shocked at the amount of names that come up when they're like, you know, I'd like to thank this, or I'd like to think that this is the person that invited me, this is the person that brought me, or this was the first person that hugged me when I walked through the door that actually said that. I think it was Mark Engel. I think they said this was the first, Mark Engel was the first person that hugged me when I walked through the door, and, and it just really just changed. I mean, like, you don't guys don't understand. When I, y'all think I'm just, like, blowing smoke, but I'm like, you know, the greeters, man, like, you guys are awesome. Like, when you walk in and some, you feel hugged or someone greets you or talk, that love, dude, that may be the 
that one day they needed that more than any other day in the rest of their life, and God used you to bring them in. They hear the gospel. They give their life to Christ, and their life changes forever, and you played a part in that by simply showing up 20 minutes early and giving them a hug. I mean, that's the power of what God can do. God has used people from day one uh, when, he, when Ryan planted the church to when he asked this fool to come help pastor, all right? And when he uses, I mean, Taylor, man, Taylor's like 12, man. And this kid has been playing the guitar for like 72 hours. All right, what, I mean, you don't understand what God, their writers are writing. The kid writes his own music, dude. Some of these songs are original and they're amazing, man. We got writers, writing, singers, singing, preachers, preaching, man. We've got kids doing and all kinds of things. We got p- crazy Ryan and Vicky going all over the world, changing lives. I mean, people are using, I mean, God are using people here, man. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. This is why I shouldn't preach <laughs> when I don't have anything to preach. <laughs> but uh, I want to get this. So listen, there's, there's four types of people. And he says that this right here, he says, listen, one hears, he doesn't get it for the first time and he basically walks away. He says, one hears it, he doesn't get it and he walks away. He says, Jesus, says, that's the one where the, like the bird comes and snatches it from the ground. The enemy comes and snatches it. He hears it. He doesn't quite understand. He just walks away. He doesn't have any real desire to go after it. He says the second one, man, he hears it. He accepts it, but he doesn't, the Bible says he doesn't get rooted. He doesn't go all in. He doesn't, he doesn't chase it with everything he's got. He's just, you know what, I'll, I'll juggle. This is, the, this is a lot of our lives. I'll juggle the Jesus church thing, you know, with like the... Uh, I don't know, the strip club and cocaine thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just, I'll just kind of, I know, I know, whatever. So we have the extremes of life, all right? And we, we kind of balance those. And then when storms come, man, we just kind of fall off the wagon. We just kind of walk away. Jesus says, listen, there's those types of people too. He says, and they're the third ones. They hear it. They understand it. They accept it. All right, they get it. And then, and then all of a sudden, like, they start looking at the world, man. And it says the, they're deceived by the, the deception of riches. It says they see what the world offers. And they come to that place in their life where they choose between, like, with the world and what the world has to offer. And then Jesus Christ. And it says that there's some people, man, they're going to choose the world. And they're going to walk away from Christ. I think there's a vast majority of American Christians, American churchgoers that are stuck somewhere in those two right there. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. I go to church as much as I can. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ will never be that big of a deal in my life. I've got these other things that are kind of here. I'm balancing the two. I'm going to keep them around because, you know, if that whole hell thing actually pans out, I want to be on the right side of that deal. All right. Burn myself cooking the other week. I don't want to experience that for all of eternity. So I'm just going to make sure that I kind of get that. I mean, and that's, that's kind of how we go about life, man. And then there's, a, then there's those people. He says, and Jesus says, these are, the ones, these are the ones that I'm interested in. He goes, these are the people. He's talking to Peter and them. And he says, these are the people, man, they're going to hear it. They're going to go all in. And I'm going to wreck their life in an amazing way. He said, I'm going to change their life in an amazing way. These are the ones that are going to hear, and they're not just going to walk away and eat my fish and my bread that I made. They're going to come find me afterwards, and they're going to be like, man, I want to know. You know, you just took like seven pieces of fish, and he turned it into 5,000, and uh, that was kind of a cool deal. And you just got to tell me, you got to tell me why you did that, how you did that. Obviously, there's something divine. There's something powerful about you, and I want to know. I want to know you. I want to know about you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to get it. And Jesus says, these people, these people. The soil is good and ready, and when it implants itself and it roots itself and they go all in, the gospel explodes in their life, and amazing great things happen, like this room, this church. 
these baptisms, these people that have had marriages restored and given their lives to Christ, and these teenagers who are just awesome. We have so many awesome teenagers in this church. I mean, all of this is because God got into somebody's life and wrecked their world in an amazing, great way. That's what the gospel can do. And so again, let's not, let's not try to label any of this with that. Let's just read it and just take it for what Jesus says. So the question then poses, what if it's on you? I'm not saying it is. I'm not even going to go as far to say that it is. I'm just saying, what if it's on you? You're one of those four types of people. And Jesus said, it's, it's them that close their eyes. It's them that close their ears. It's them that closes their heart. It's, it's their heart that grows dull. Nowhere does Jesus say, I'm, I'm doing this to trick them. I'm doing this to fool them. I'm doing this because I don't want them to understand. I'm doing this because I don't want them to get it. He says, I'm doing it in parables. He said, because they've closed their ears to me. They've closed their eyes to me. They've closed their heart. What if, just for a second, what if it's on us to go all in? What if it's on us to stop just going to church once a week, but to truly follow Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth? What if it's on us? What would happen? What would happen if you quit worrying about the pew you're sitting on and you started worrying about what Jesus Christ wanted to do in your life? What if you, I mean, just, I know it's crazy. I know it's insane. But what happened if you would just say, listen, I don't know where you want me to go. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't really understand much of anything. But I understand, like Peter said, that there is something divine about your name. And I will follow you wherever you go. I will say anything you put in my mouth. I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will act any way you tell me to act. You just tell me and I'll do it. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. Do you know what that's called? That's called being a Christian. Going to church, all right, being a part of a life group, saying the name of Jesus every now and then, balancing it back and forth by Christ's definition. He says, I'm not so sure that's a Christian. So what if it was on you? And God, really, I was laying in bed. Me and Courtney were reading the Bible the other night before we went to sleep. Well, I was reading it out loud, and Courtney was snoring. But it was the same thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She wasn't. She, uh, she always says that I read, I read too fast, and so I have to slow way down. And so she, she can understand because I do. I mumble. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm going through this with her. And all of a sudden, dude, I'm sitting here. I was not planning on even reading this at all. And, and I'm just sitting here reading this with her, and I read it over and over and over. And finally, she's like, okay, you don't have to read it that many times. Like, I get it. I understand it. And, but I was going through, and it was just this story in Second Chronicles. I'm going to flip there in a minute. It was a story in Second Chronicles. And it was about this, this time in, in the life of Israel where they had just gone completely away from God. Now, they didn't remove his name from the temple, but they just, there was all kinds of other gods and idols and different things. And one of the prophets showed up, and he read this. To, uh, to Asa the king. It's in 2 Chronicles 15. If you have your little app from last week, you can just open that baby up and go right there to it. 2 Chronicles 15. It just says, The Spirit of God came upon uh, Azariah, the son of Obad, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, all of Judah and all of Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a teaching priest, without the law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. 
In those times there was no peace to him who went out or, or who came in. For great disturbances afflicted in all the inhabitants of the land. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation, city by city. For God brought trouble to them in every sort of distress. But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. As soon as Asa heard these words, now I want, I want to get this. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Zerah, the son of Obad, he took courage. And then it said he did about 35 different things. So here's what I want you to understand. The God sent a prophet to Asa of Israel, King Asa, and he said, listen, it's been a long time, long time. I know you've still got God's name hanging up up there, but it's been a long time since the presence of the living God has been in Israel. It's been a long time. I know you went to church all your life, but it's been a long time since you experienced the presence of the living God. I know you've been going to Sunday school we don't have it here, so you don't go to church here. But I know you've been going to Sunday school, you know, and I know you've got the social thing going on. I know you get it. You've memorized the creed. I know you get it, and I know, I know you talk about the name of Jesus, and I know you get it. But it's been a long time since you've experienced the presence of a living God. He says, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Some of the generation, he goes on to say, has never known the true God. They know the name they kind of get the religious part of it, but they've never experienced the work of a living God. And here's my plea to you this morning, and I think that this was part of the plea to him. He said, listen, I want you to understand the name. Listen, when God shows up, things happen. All right, when God gets involved, lives change. When God gets involved, marriages are restored. When God gets involved, chains are broke. All right, when God gets involved, things turn amazing. All right, when God gets involved, he turns little shepherd boys into kings. All right, when people get involved, religion takes over. All right, there's a whole bunch of religion. And the prophet's plea was, but you don't want religion. You want the power and the spirit and the presence of a living God. Don't you, Asa? I can see it in your heart. And he says, and if you will go after him with all your heart, you will find him. Immediately, it says, King Asa took, when he heard these words, he took courage. And then he went and he did all kinds of things. And just to kind of sum it up so we don't read three chapters, he said, he removed all the idols. He repaired the altar, which means he established, basically established church back. He brought in a teaching priest. He taught in somebody to teach the Bible. They gathered all the cities for worship every day. They sacrificed so much we can't even fathom that. He entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. All the cities surrounding entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. They said, we will seek the Lord with all our heart. We'll work, but we'll seek the Lord. We'll live our lives, but we will seek the Lord. And listen, now we're not probably, probably not going to institute this, but the people who said, no, nah, we're not going to seek the Lord, they exiled them or killed them. So you guys want to enter into a covenant to seek the Lord? I mean, I'm just saying the extremism here of saying, listen, we've gone too long without the presence of God. We've gone too long saying the name. We've gone too long with the church building and no Jesus. And so he says, I'll do everything. Anything I can think of, I will do it in order to seek God with all my heart. Removed his own mother from power. Mm. Destroyed the image of Asherah and brought all the sacred gifts into God's house. Literally anything he could think of. Even if it didn't make sense, he just did it. That's what he said, I want to be all in. Whatever that means, I want to be all in. Whatever that means, I want to go after God. Whatever that means, I want to experience it. Whatever that means, I want to go. Pray, I'll pray. 
study the Bible, I'll study the Bible. Give up things for a while in my life, I'll give it up. You tell me, I'll do it. Cut some friendships off, I'll do that. Whatever I need, I'm hungry for the living God. I'm hungry for the presence of God. I do not want to go through my life not being used. I want to be used. I want to see God change lives. I want to see revival in my generation. I want to go after that. And he said, and everybody's going to go after that. We're all going to go after that. And if not, get out of here. Because we want the presence of the living God. And I'm going to tell you something. What if just for the next three or four weeks, through the course of this series, what if just 50% of us said, you know what, we're going to seek God with all our heart. We're going to, everything we got, whatever, we're going to put our heart on it. We're going to focus on it. We're going to be there. We're going to pray for it. We're going to invite. We're going to go. We're going to get in the scriptures. We're going to study. We're going to stop being religious, and we're going to chase the presence of a living God. What if just 50, what if just 10% of us even just started, we're going to worship. When those songs come on, man, we're not just going to stand there and drink our coffee and stare in the space and give up and miss an opportunity to worship the presence of a living God. We're going to sing and we're going to worship and we're going to shut our eyes and we're going to pray and, oh my God, we may even raise our hands or something crazy like that. Or we'll sit and we'll bow. Well, I mean, we'll just be insane and worship God a little bit. I mean, what if? I mean, what if we actually got into the Word, if we actually studied, if we actually thought I believe in the power of a living God, and I believe that God will do something in my life if I put myself all in. Because I'm going to tell you something. This church is a product of people putting themselves all in. It's a product of people who say, I believe God is all-powerful, and I want to serve him with all of my heart and do everything in my ability to glorify him and to lead people to him. So the question what if it was on you to make that choice and to make that decision? This morning, there's going to be a few people that have made that decision. There's a few people that said, listen, I don't quite get it. One of them told me Wednesday, I was talking, I don't, I don't fully get everything, but I know, I know a couple things. I know what I feel, the presence of God that I feel in that room on Sunday mornings in worship and as I pray. And when I think about the name of Jesus Christ, I believe God didn't say, go to seminary and get your doctorate degree. God didn't say, you know, clean up your life, get perfect. God said, believe in me. Put your faith in me. Seek me. Go after me. And I will take you farther than you could ever imagine going. Yeah, we're 10 years into this thing. But I'm telling you, we are just at the beginning of something insane. I believe with all of my heart the presence of God is with us. The power of God is with us, and this is just the beginning of something amazing to come. So as we go through this series, I want to challenge you to join me in prayer. Please spend five minutes a day, just five minutes, praying. Not that we have some good messages, not that we have some good songs, but that we experience the power of a living God and that he changes and alters lives. Invite people. Invite people. Invite people to church. Invite people to life group. Take people out to eat. Take them to get some coffee. Tell them your story. Tell them what God's done in your life. Tell them what God's done in your marriage. And be here. And when you have an opportunity to learn from the word of God, don't text. When you have an opportunity to worship the living God, put your coffee down. Seriously. We won't kill you if you don't. All right? But just take this opportunity to chase God. 
I will never understand this. Maybe it's just because I have ADD, and maybe it's just because I'm the way I am, and I know that I'm different in some things. But why in the world would you go to church that is boring and you get nothing out of? Why would you ever? The lake is so beautiful. Like, it's amazing. There's a part of me sometimes, I'm like, let's just move service to around, like, 6 in the morning so we can be out on the lake by 10 in the summertime. Why would you give yourself? Why would you commit? Why would you go? For social reasons, start a club. All right? For good music, I've been to some of the churches around here. I'm just saying, dude. All right? No, dude, church is about the presence of God. Dude, I hate religion. I would never waste my time in a building for religious order, man, but I will serve, I'll die for the presence of God. All right? And so I'm saying, dude, be different, man. Chase God with everything you've got. And we're going to watch a video just so we can see a little bit of the amazing things that God is doing here. And... I'm going to pray real fast. If you guys will, uh, if you're first-time guests and you're never coming back, just shake my hand on the way out and let me know. I'd love to just hug you and tell you goodbye. And uh, if you're here to see somebody get baptized, man, thank you so much for supporting your loved one. Um, And if you are new here, I would love to meet you after the service is over. I'll be standing uh, right over here on the side. Um, And I love you guys. Come back next week, and uh, we'll start this series off with a bang. Father God, I just want to thank you so much, Lord, just for everything you have done. God, I want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you for 10 years ago opening up the heart of Ryan Weaver, God, and just planning the idea of Harvest Cove in his heart. God, I thank you, Lord, that you gave him the courage to step out when so many people wouldn't, God, that you gave him the courage and the fight, God, to fight through the hardest years of church planning. God, I thank you, Lord, for connecting us. I thank you for letting me come hang out with such an awesome group of people, God, and I thank you, Lord, just for the way that you have moved through the life of this church, God. I thank you for the way you have raised people up, God, that you have saved sinners, God, and used them in this church, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, just for the way that you raise up the talent and the ability and the gifts, God, for the way that you raise up so many amazing volunteers, for the way that you raise up a church, God, who invites people, Father God. We never spend a dime on marketing, Father. You have used people, God, from day one. I pray, Lord, that you continue to do that, God. And above all, God, I thank you. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for what he did on the cross. I thank you, Lord God, for making yourself known to so many people. I thank you, God, for saving me and for saving us, God. And I thank you, Lord, for these 10 people that are giving their life to you, God, and that they're going public, God, with this belief in you, Father. I pray, Lord God, don't let us get smarter. Don't let us get more intelligent. Don't let us get more doctrine. Don't let us get more theology, God. Let us get more of your presence, God. Let us get more of your spirit, Father. I pray, God, that you will consume us, Father. I pray that you set this church on fire, God, that we will see more done in the next 10 years, God, that we can't even imagine. I thank you, Father, for all you've done, all you will do. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You are the first and you are the last. You are the great King of kings and Lord of lords. And I will serve you until my dying day. In your name.